WSL, Charlotte Sports Live. Right now on the Charlotte Sports Live, towards the night before Monday Night Football, the Carolina Panthers open up the season at the bank with a division showdown against the Saints. And Denny Hamlin finally broke through in Bristol, the NASCAR playoff field now down to 12 drivers. And with that, we welcome you inside a Sunday night edition of Charlotte Sports Live. Alongside Grace Grill, I'm Gabe McDonald tonight, and we are with you for the next hour, folks. Yeah, and while the Panthers did not play today, we have plenty to talk about regarding the black and blue as they gear up for a big game at the bank tomorrow night. A game that maybe has a little bit more meaning now after the way the rest of the NFC South fared again today. We will get into it all, but first, let's take a look at tomorrow night's matchup, shall we? We need to get into the details of these two teams. One week into the season, the Panthers spent the week getting bitten by the injury bug, and it bit them hard. J.C. Horn is out at least for the next few weeks, and the offensive line took another hit as Brady Christensen will miss the rest of the season due to a torn bicep. The Saints are without starting running back Alvin Kamara, who is serving a three-game suspension. New Orleans still came away with a week one victory last Sunday against Tennessee and will bring a challenge to BOA. Looking forward to, you know, another division game, a home division game against a good football team, obviously coming off of a win. Um, where, you know, they're really good in all three phases, uh, you know, very well coached, a, a, a very formidable defense, um, very stingy, you know, nine games in a row, 20 points or less, um, you know, very good in the secondary, good pressure package, um, very multiple on defense. You know, offensively, they're also very multiple, a bunch of different personnel packages. Obviously, you know, high-level quarterback in Derek Carr, who we have a ton of respect for. All right, so let's break down some of the stats after week one. The Saints were missing Kamara in week one against Tennessee, and it showed. Only 69 yards rushing with an average of about 2.6 yards per carry. The Panthers had better ground success against the Falcons, racking up 150 four yards last week. The Saints do get it done in the air, so look for Derek Carr to continue to chuck it on Monday night. The Saints defensive unit didn't give up a touchdown at all last week, while the Panthers surrendered most of their points as the game wore on in the second half. All right, so big game, yep. Monday night football, divisional matchup. Both have uh, some some guys missing, some yep. crucial guys missing. Yep. What's it going to take for them to get a win? I think the big thing for the Panthers is you want to be able to establish your dominance in the pass rush attack because last week we saw Atlanta more ground and pound. The Saints are obviously more of a drop back team, but I think the big key with a guy like J.C. Horn out, you got C.J. Anderson stepping in his place. We know the Saints have weapons. Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, who really came on strong last week. The pass rush has to be big to let your defensive backs not have to work too much in the secondary. If you can get after Derek Carr, I think you have a good job to win. Tomorrow. Yeah, depth really going to be tested too, but it's also, a, again, another opportunity for some guys to maybe show up and prove yeah. their worth in this starting lineup. No, for sure. I mean, especially you got to look at the guard position. We're breaking in Cade Mays, getting his first start of the season. you still got rookie Chandler Zavala on the other side as well. So I think those are two guys that all eyes are going to be pretty much on them. You want to be able to see them keep Bryce Young upright, establish the run game. I think that's another key. You can establish the run game, set up the play action. That will also be something big to keep the Saints on their toes. And hopefully, DJ Chark. Yeah, take the top that's off the defense be, that's for gonna sure. That's going to be something new. Yeah, no doubt. But speaking out, uh, speaking of that pass rushing, let's talk about Brian Burns. This contract situation was all the talk of Week One, but then on Sunday, Burns got down to business: seven tackles and two sacks on the day against the Falcons. Now he's seeking a new deal that gets him paid, but still has one year left on his current contract. But if he plays like he has so far, he'll certainly earn that money. The man who wears zero made it clear this weekend that whatever happens off the field won't be a distraction on it. 
I already told him like once the season starts, like I'm all about ball, um, you know, because I can't give my I can't give a thousand percent on the field and to my teammates if I'm still worried about you know contract negotiations and whatnot. Um, and I feel like I owe that to them, you know, to be a hundred percent, thousand percent bought in at all times because at any point, uh, you know, something bad can happen. After conversations with uh, with my team and whatnot, if uh, if that's what makes sense, then we'll we'll cross that road once we get there. But uh, as of right now. I'm all for my teammates and my coaches. Certainly a team first guy. And then me personally, I said it before the Falcons game. I didn't think he was going to play. Comes out and dominates. Obviously looking at week two now, still no deal done. Do you think this is maybe the wrong decision to go out on the field? What's your take on this? No, but doesn't this whole situation kind of feel like a what? You know, yeah. like we just made this whole big deal about, and maybe that's us media, this was a whole big deal, but, but it was. I mean, he's like, I told them, like, if we didn't get a deal done before the season started, then I wasn't going to be about it. Like, okay, that's all fine and good, but it's also kind of like, then why did we just go through all that? Because yeah. if you guys were so far apart in negotiations, which we were told that they were, right. and they said, hey, we're not, we're not going to meet you here, but the season started, then why even go through all the, all the hoopla? And that's the thing with me. I mean, if I'm him last week, I'm sitting on the bench after that first quarter. I come out. I proved you all what I can do. But, I mean, that's obviously not like him. You hear the sound bite. Certainly a team you first guy. You would not. No, I know he wouldn't do that. But I'm just saying, like. No, you. you, you oh, no. <laughs> but I'm thinking, too, you don't want to risk injury. That's the thing that I always worry about. Him in this situation, staying healthy is Okay, but key. he is under contract. It, that, that is true. So, but like, he, but to me, wants, it's. But he still wants some long-term security. Yeah, and me the, too. And the thing is, like, you got your best ability is availability. If they show that. You, if you're, you know, if you miss time, that's going to hurt your bag. I know he's getting it this year, but everybody wants that long-term security. That's what he wants. Hopefully, and I think it. he's we'll going to get it. He definitely yeah. is is worthy of it. I'm it, just saying it. Because I mean, just a they lot. turned down the trade last year. That kind of shows him his worth. Now the trade deadline this year could be pretty interesting. Yeah. All right. Should we talk some NASCAR? <laughs> Morgan Wallen once said, "Pops ain't Bristol, but they pretty loud though." And so were the boos after Denny Hamlin took the checkers at Bristol last night for the Bass Pro Shops night race, the final race. Of the round of 16, Hamlin led for just 139 laps, but was able to hold off Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell to capture his third win of the season. But it was the 51st of his career, and he passes Junior Johnson for most Cup Series wins all time. This day and this era of NASCAR racing is tougher to win than, than, than it's ever been. It's, nights like tonight are certainly pleasing after having a couple weeks of like, darn, we should have got them, right? Keep knocking on the door. Keep showing up. Keep making it to the final four. Eventually, your your number will be called, and hopefully, you know this is a year for it to be called. Yeah, Hamlin still chasing that first championship. So here's your round of 12 drivers. William Byron still atop the leaderboard, followed by Martin Truex Jr. and Hamlin. And the four guys who will be on the bubble starting next weekend: Ross Chastain, Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, and Bubba Wallace. All right, Biff Pogey says he is on a warpath after the Niners got thumped by Georgia State yesterday. We have more on that just ahead. It was just about halfway through the high school football season. No shortage of top plays in week five. However, we had to dwindle down the list to just three. We'll show you those coming up next here on Charlotte Sports Live. Well, Charlotte football fell to 1-2 and two on the season after last night's 41-25 loss to Georgia State. Remember, Charlotte did not commit to a single starter on offense when they released the depth chart for this week, and they mixed it up on Saturday. Jalen Jones got the start at quarterback, but was replaced with Trexler Ivy after the opening drive. But the flipping between quarterbacks didn't help the Niners offense. This team is built to run, and Charlotte was held to just 88 yards on the ground. 
Meanwhile, the Niner defense gave up over 500 yards for the second straight week. Niners head coach Biff Pogey beside himself. I am telling you right now, I am on the warpath. And I just met with our coaches, and we're either going to get it done the way I want it done, or either I'm not going to be here, or they're not going to be here. But I am not doing this for the rest of the season. And I got to tell you, if I have to go up in the booth and call on myself, I will. Because I made notes in the fourth quarter, uh, and I'm not, we're not having an offense like this. Yikes. All right, the Niners back on the road this week as they head to the Swamp to take on Florida. Yeah, it's going to be another tough one after the Gators have stuck down 11th ranked Tennessee. But we got more NASCAR news for you tonight. The Bushlight Clash is coming back to the LA Coliseum for a third straight year. It will once again open the season on February 4th, 2024. In addition to that, there will be a NASCAR Mexico Series race preceding the Clash. The series typically competes on tracks throughout nine major cities down in Mexico. Well, yesterday was a holiday. It wasn't a nationally recognized holiday, but nonetheless, it was a day to celebrate, and our Michael set sure got in the spirit. Yeah, so in honor of Batman Day, he's giving you this week's high school football top play nominees in the spirit of the Capped Crusader. The night is darkest before the dawn. Fortunately, there's a hero. Not this hero, but it's the one you still deserve. The one you need. The one who had this week's Blitz top play. We start not in Gotham, but in Gaffney with entry number one. Check out Turbo Richard, setting his turbines to speed on the game's opening kickoff. The senior running back scored in a 94-yard return as Northwestern would go on to win 49-24. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts with our second nominee. It's Jatavian Taylor, who saved the day for Porter Ridge just as Monroe was about to score. The senior linebacker delivered with a 95-yard scoop and score. However, in the end, the joke was on the Pirates, as they'd still lose 28-20. Finally, perhaps we should tell our friends about our third nominee, Billy Wilkes. The senior linebacker swooped in to get the interception for Providence, then took it back 47 yards for a touchdown. However, Charlotte Catholic would rally for a 29-22 win. It's not who you are. It's what you do that defines you. And now it's your responsibility to vote for which of these plays was the best. To do it, head to our X page at CSL on QCN and make your pick. The polls close Thursday morning. Michael said you never cease to amaze me. Good stuff, my friend. While the Panthers and Saints hit the field tomorrow, their other NFC South foes were in action this afternoon. Both the Bucks and Falcons making strong cases early this season. We'll show you how coming up next here on CSL. Jordan Love and the Packers in Atlanta today taking on the Falcons. Green Bay leads it 10-9 in the third quarter. Love over the middle to Dontavion Wicks. He sheds that tackle and takes it 32 yards for the touchdown. Packers up 17-9. And later in the third, score is 17-12. Packers at the 10, first and goal. No, they will not run it. And Love finds Jaden Reed. His second touchdown of the game gives the Packers a 12-point lead. We go to the fourth quarter. Falcons inside the 10. It's fourth and four. Desmond Ritter runs to the outside, and he is in for the touchdown. Falcons down five. All right, so under two minutes to go. Falcons down two. And then on the back of Bijan Robinson, Atlanta gets themselves in field goal range, and Young Hoku will send it through the uprights from 25 yards out to win it. 
25-24 over Green Bay. Right. Shout out to those Falcons, 2-0 down in Tampa. Former Panther Baker Mayfield leading the Bucks against Justin Fields and the Bears. Chicago going to work early. Fields on the bootleg, and he rumbles into the end zone untouched. The Bears get six on their opening drive, and they go up 7-3. Into the second, same score. After a big 70-yard game by Mike Evans, Tampa goes to the ground, and it's Rashad White powering in for the touchdown. The Bucks regain the lead. They led 13-10 at recess. Same score late in the third quarter. Mayfield going up top. Dropping an absolute dime to Mike Evans. Looking like he's back at Oklahoma. Right in the bucket for the Tampa TD. 20-10 in favor of the Bucks. Evans with a buck 71 this afternoon. Fourth quarter now. Bears looking to complete the comeback after getting a score of their own. They try to run a screen, but Shaq Barrett reads it perfectly like a Harry One Potter hand. book. Gets the pick and gets six with a little help from his friends. That score would ice it in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 2-0. After a 27 to 17 win, I mean, you look at these two teams across the division. Who would have thought? Especially the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks are like they were in tank mode. Remember when uh, Baker Mayfield was a Carolina Panther? It seems like honestly, it seems it like seems that was like 10 years ago. ago. I mean, oh look at gosh. him now. I mean, just having that resurgence, going to Minnesota Week One, big win, coming back at home. I mean, he's looking like himself right now. Yeah. I mean, like we knew him in Cleveland when they went on that run in 2020 to make the playoffs. And you look at the Falcons, that rushing attack, Bijan Robinson. That's why you draft a running back in the top 10 because he can make plays like that to ice the game. I mean, the Falcons, they, they really get it done. I mean, we saw it last week firsthand. So these two teams, that's why tomorrow's game for the Panthers is such a big, critical game. Well, and the stakes just got higher because of that. Because yeah. you, you look at around, they, they, they need to right. be able to get something going within the division. I mean, and that's kind of the down part of playing two games in the division right back off the back, bat. Yeah. Because, like, okay, it's week one, week two. You're trying to work out those kinks, especially for this team that has so much new. But, I mean, you got you to gotta roll through it. But Bijan Robinson, whew, yeah. he had 174 yards on the ground today. I think we just ran the stats there with, yeah. with the Panthers. They had that it. last week as a team. So, we That's need to do thing. that. I mean, he's early on probably my favorite to be Offensive Rookie of the Year. I mean, he's going to have a great season, great career for sure. But yeah. these two teams, I mean, they're, it's, a lot of people thought the NFC South was going to be a down division. It's not looking like that two weeks in. So, we'll see what happens tomorrow night after between the Saints and the Panthers. But after making a name for himself on special teams, Frankie Lubu emerged for the Panthers on defense last season with a monster campaign. Now he's aiming to elevate his game to reach a big career milestone. We go one-on-one -on -one with Big Oos coming up next on Strong Sports Live. Back here on Charlotte Sports Live, Panthers linebacker Frankie Louvu emerged last season as a star player for the unit, posting career highs in every statistical category. With the new season comes new goals for Louvu, both on the field and off. We're joined now by Frankie Louvu. First off, before the season gets started, a big milestone for you. Got to congratulate you on becoming an American citizen. Just take me through that process and just what that was like and why you felt like it was important for you to, to get that done. Yeah, man, uh, it was a blessing to get in the citizenship. Uh, mainly the whole reason behind of everything what I did was um, sponsor my parents. Yeah. Um, my dad is from Fiji, my mom is from Western Samoa. So uh, to, for somebody to, to sponsor them, you know, uh, it had to come from the family. So my brother, uh, Freddy's, uh, he passed away when I signed uh, with the Carolina Panthers. So he kind of started off with the process. Uh, and didn't know where he left off with this, so it was only right to, to finish what he started and uh, the oldest to the youngest, and uh, kind of took that role and uh, helped my parents out, yeah. And are, is he pretty much just living through you now? You know, just how yeah. great is it for you to be able to honor him on the field and also be getting that done? Oh man, uh, the moment I came became a Carolina Panthers, I felt like, you know, this is my calling, and uh, every everything and every do, uh, day that I come in for work, man, it's kind of honoring him, but also, you know, having that chip on my shoulder, I know he's with me every time. And that process, I know, I mean, something I've never been through myself, but I'm sure it comes with 
testing and everything. Just maybe, what was that test like? Were there any crazy questions, or what's like maybe the craziest thing you had to answer on? That? Uh, I think the craziest. It was a lot of like for me to go back and study like yeah. civic history questions. What I think was the craziest, you know. Um, but yeah, it was like a hundred questions. Yeah. Uh, they choose ten of those hundred questions mm -hmm. random, and it was all early. So you come in. And I think one of the first, I still remember to this day, the first question was, uh, what is an amendment? And, you know, I took it the first time. Yeah. Um, I, I, I kind of wasn't prepared for the first time. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, man, how hard could these civic questions yeah. be? So, you know, kind of looked at the study guide just before my name was called to go in and take the test. But I got six out of five. Well, actually, five out of five, right? Yeah. Got to get six out of right. the ten to be able to pass. But I came the second time and, uh, and got it out. So, uh, yeah. So for you, so, so that's another, say, third time's a charm, but for you, second time's a charm. Yeah, so just moving yeah. moving on the field now, I mean, just coming off last year, a career year for you, over 100 tackles, second in the league in tackles for a loss, seven sacks. You know, just what do you feel like you proved last year? Because that was right after you got an extension, you came yeah. out and definitely proved your worth. Uh, man, just know that I'm, I'm reliable, you know, I'm a guy that you can trust. But also, like I said before, um, I got signed, but also I came here knowing that, like, you know, I had a plan in my head to come yeah. here and, Perform in any way I can, and they, and that was special teams, and kind of made my way through special teams. But my main goal was to go more than that, you know. Uh, kind of fell in the system, put in the right place at the right time to make plays, have matches. But um, now I'm, you know, new year, nothing yeah. has changed for me. Right. You know, same mindset, same goal. Uh, but also, man, just getting that Pro Bowl um, is one of my biggest goals for this year. Coming off last week, you know, after watching the film and pretty much flushing that one, what do you feel like this defense has shown, and where do you feel like you guys can improve? Uh, I'll say, um, you know, stopping the run, yeah. you know, we take pride in that, come first, and then make them, uh, make them one-dimensional as an offense. Um, you know, obviously we, we, we need to work on that, you know, um, improvement-wise, I'll say stopping the run, and, uh, and just, you know, as, as the weeks goes on, we will find out what more we can do. And lastly, man, primetime, Monday Night Football, I mean, yeah. last year, the Saints, that was pretty much your coming out party, you get the strip, and then, you know, Marquise takes it back for a touchdown. Get the first one of the season, and you got your tequila after that win. Yes, just sir. What's that going to be like, you know, just being able to have this primetime matchup, a divisional matchup, to really open things up at home this year? Man, it's going to be key, man. It's a division game. You know, it's like a, just getting these two wins in one game. So, uh, and also, just see where our team is at, you know. Coming from a from that performance last last week, you know, how we're going to perform this week and how we're going to come out as a team is, is really the big picture. But excited, man. Uh, love playing against these guys, man. I know it's going to be a tough nose hard. Uh, football team coming in, and uh, we're just going to compete until who comes up. Awesome, man. Appreciate the time, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks, sir. I have a lot of confidence in, in our room. A lot of guys that can play football at a high level and, and maybe uh, are a little underrated or, or uh, people don't really um, give a whole lot of credit to. Well, don't count out the wide receiver room here in Carolina. What newcomer and captain Adam Thielen thinks about the potential with the group? That's coming up next on Charlotte Sports Live. Well, Adam Thielen is new to the Panthers, but not new to the league. He's entering his 10th season, but his first in Carolina. And after talking with Carla Gebhardt, you can tell why he's having a big impact on the locker room. So you get to Carolina and you're voted captain right away by your teammates. What does that mean to you to, to be accepted so early here with the Panthers? Yeah, I mean, anytime you're voted captain, obviously, it's a, it's a great honor. Um, and it's an honor that I don't take lightly. Um, and and not, no one does, you know, when you're voted as a captain, you know that you have a higher responsibility um, to be at your best and um, to kind of, you know, handle things the right way. 
Um, but I think when you're in a new place and you've been in some, one place for so long and then you go to a new place, um, there's just a, something a little extra special um, when you're voted by your teammates as a captain. You mentioned that you were in one place for so long. Obviously, you're talking about the Minnesota Vikings, but this is your first time playing for a team outside of the state of Minnesota, right? Right. Is that weird for you, like, to, to be so far from, from home? Yeah, definitely um, is different, um, but um, in a good way. Almost feel like I'm a rookie again, and just like a whole new fresh start, like I'm coming out of college. Um, so it's been really cool, and and again, that that's credit to the guys in that locker room, um, coaches, players of just kind of from day one. I felt it just accepted, and um, you know the excitement around this team and the city, and then um, having my family here with me has been it's been really awesome. What's your first memory of the Carolina Panthers when you think back to maybe being younger and in, in the NFL and just thinking about who the Panthers were? Well, my first memory is I, I got a phone call from the Carolina Panthers after the draft, and they were offered me to come to rookie camp. So um, it was the Vikings the first week of, of uh, rookie camp, and then I was supposed to come to the Carolina Panthers the second weekend. Uh, so that's my first memory. I ended up signing with the Vikings, obviously, and was there for 10 years. But um, And then my, my next memory was my first touchdown was against the Carolina Panthers. So um, block punt for, for a touchdown. Um, so there's some, there's some kind of crazy things that when I was going through the free agency process and this became like a real option um, that just kind of uh, felt like uh, I was being led to come here. Yeah, and you're certainly here now and a part of this wide receiver room. How would you describe the guys in that room right now? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we just have a, we have a great group, you know, guys that just uh, want to be great, um, but we also like to have fun. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of personality, which there always is in a receiver room. <laughs> right. Um, but, but I have a lot of confidence in, in our room and, and what we can do together as a group. Um, a lot of guys that can play football at a high level and, and maybe uh, are a little underrated or, or um, people don't really um, give a whole lot of credit to, but I see it every single day in, in practice and, and um, you know we'll, we'll, we'll see it in games here soon. Who gets picked on the most in the group? <laughs> <laughs> well, it usually goes back and forth between DJ and LaVisca. They have a little history together back in Jacksonville. Okay. So um, they're usually getting after each other a little bit. And then if you chime in at all, then watch out because then they're going to both attack you. So, so um, do you stay quiet in those moments? No, do you... no, no, no. I, that's not my natural okay. tendency. My natural <laughs> tendency is to, to, to fit right in. And then, and then I usually get, get, uh, you know, they both kind of team up on me, which is, which is uh, always fun. Bryce Young being a rookie quarterback, the first overall pick in the draft, he's under a microscope this season, right? I mean, everybody's looking to him and certainly some good things from him against the Falcons. What, what did you say or did you say anything to him after week one and after that loss? Yeah, I actually said it before the game to him. And then again, I reiterated after the game of, you know, I don't know how many guys that I would have that much confidence in going into week one as a rookie. Um, I just wanted him to know how much confidence I had in him, not only in his ability, um, but his, you know, just for him to lead us, you know. And usually as a quarterback, people look to you as a leader and to lead us and to help us win games. And I just wanted him to know that I've been around a lot of quarterbacks and I have a lot of trust um, and confidence in his game. And not only did I say that before the game, but I read it after the game of how much confidence I have in him mm -hmm. um, that he's, he's the right person for this job and he's the right person to, to be here for a long time and have a lot of success. So I'm excited to get back to work. All right, moving to the pitch. Stop me if you've heard this before. Charlotte FC only picks up one point due to a draw. That's now three consecutive draws for the crown 
after last night's match with DC United that saw no goals scored on either side. Now, Charlotte did have possession for 62% of the match, and both squads had 14 shots. However, DC had six shots on goal to Charlotte's two. It all comes down to being more aggressive on the attack, according to head coach Christian Patanzi. It's frustrating night because I think the, uh, our boys deserve more than that, but it's up to us to, to take what we deserve. Nobody's going to give us a gift, uh, and we have to be more uh, focused and to, have, and to play better in the last third. Charlotte will have a quick turnaround as they aim to get back in the win column. Next match is Wednesday night at the bank against Philadelphia. Well, he'll always be known as the wingman of Jumpman, but now Scotty Pippen is venturing into a new role. They talked about it with our Michael Set earlier this week. Hear that one-on-one -on -one next on Charlotte Sports Live. Back here on CSL talking some hoops. He was the Jumpman's wingman, but Scotty Pippen was hanging out in Charlotte this week for a different reason other than basketball, Greg. Yeah, he's now involved in the bourbon business, but he still has some thoughts on the Hornets, and our Mike Lissette caught up with the Hall of Famer earlier this week. Six-time NBA champion, two-time Olympian, one of the greatest to ever do it. Scotty Pippen, now you got your own bourbon whiskey, whiskey bourbon. I don't drink that, but what I want you to do is give me the full-court press. Why should I try your bourbon whiskey? Why is Digits the whiskey bourbon to try? Well, it's the best, just like me. <laughs> uh, it's a great bourbon. Uh, it's a four-year-old bourbon. We started about four years ago, and uh, we think that it, uh, it ranks up among any bourbon out there. I'm sure, I'm sure it may be old hat to you, but, I mean, the fact is we've never met before, and I feel like you've played such an important part of my life. Does that ever still hit you like, wow, how many people you've reached through playing basketball and, and, and being a part of one of the greatest dynasties in NBA history? Thank you. I appreciate that. But, uh, I mean, I think along the journey you kind of understand what your present is and the impact that you're having on people's life. And... Um, for me, it was an opportunity to get back out and have um, the opportunity to still mingle with people. Um, drinking is a way to socialize and communicate with people. So uh, this has been great for me to have this opportunity to sort of get back out and meet people and have the opportunity to be in their presence. You know, if we can talk a little basketball for a second. We're in Charlotte, uh, a Muggsy Bogus country a little bit. And I didn't know this until I read his book, but you guys were incredibly instrumental in putting each other on the map in the 1987 pre-draft combine. Bogues talked about it. What did he do there to bring out the best in your game and get people to realize this kid from Central Arkansas is pretty good? Well, I mean, we both came out the same year in 1987, and um, we were both on a journey trying to make it in the NBA but also make an impact. And uh, as you said, we, we both lift each other up along that way. Playing together, uh, just having an opportunity to really um, highlight each other's game. For those that don't know, what was playing at the old Hive like? Because you played them in the playoffs both in 95 and then again in 98. What kind of an atmosphere was that and how did it differ from other places? Wow, I mean, this is basketball country. So, you know, the people here understand this basketball, they understand the game, great fans of the game. So, uh, it was always tough, uh, you know, even though this was an expansion team uh, back in my days in the league, but uh, the fans came and caught on to the NBA game very fast. A lot has changed during that time, but one thing that hasn't changed, Charlotte's still 
without any championships. You've seen some of the stuff they've done in the offseason. Do you think they're any closer toward getting back to a point where they might be in the playoff hunt or maybe a few years away from being actually in contention? Well, they, they got some pieces. Uh, they got some young players that are going to continue to help grow and build this franchise up. But you know, there's still a lot of talent around the NBA. Uh, Golden State, still a very strong team. Phoenix, got Giannis in Milwaukee. So, uh, you know, they're going to have to get better through the draft, but they're going to continue to get better. They, they got some great talent. Uh, I think they will continue to make some noise. Well, if they don't, the fans can at least drown their sorrows in digits and, and, and be able to take care of themselves at least that way. Oh, yeah, for sure. You've <laughs> got to always go have a drink and forget about it. Scotty, appreciate your time. Thank, Thank you very you. much, appreciate sir. You. All right. Well, if you like your Sunday sunny side up, then I'm here with good news because we've got meteorologist Andrew Brightman joining oh, us for Christ. Quick Six. So let's put two minutes on the clock. And Andrew, we're starting with you. Do the Panthers get a win tomorrow night? I'm going to go yes. You know, these Saints, they're not the sunny. same Saints that there were, let's say, three to four years ago. Cameron Jordan's getting older. Alvin Kamara, we'll see how much he still has left in the tank. He's not a Sean Payton-led team anymore. And besides, if the Panthers don't get this win, I was talking about with the best-dressed man in Charlotte, Gabe McDonald, they could be looking at 0-6 down the pike. So I'm going to think positive they're going to get the W tomorrow. They got it. It's at home. Yeah. All right, Gabe, what will Bryce Young's stat line be tomorrow night? I think they pass the ball a little bit less because I think the run game is going to get going. I think it will go about 18 of 30, giving me about 210 yards, two touchdowns. I think we'll throw a couple picks that St. Secondary might be able to disguise himself and play with him a little bit. So I think two touchdowns, two picks tomorrow night. All right, Andrew, speaking of rookies, which one has been the most impressive so far this season? This this is a pretty easy one. I mean, honorable mention of Jalen Carter on the Eagles, but it's got to be B. John Robinson, right? He's on base to average over 1,500 yards, just so crucial, and the Falcons win today. So right now, run away for rookie of the year, but get, Grant, we're only two games in. All right, Gabe, I can't believe I'm saying this, but yes, <laughs> I stayed up last night to watch a Colorado a versus game. Colorado State game. Is Colorado a college football playoff contender? Not yet. I think the Pac-12 will get a team in. It's the team that Colorado will play in two weeks in USC. I think USC will win that game in Boulder. Colorado still a ways away, but they're doing something special this year. I think another year in the portal, get their guys back next year. I think they could do some damage. Plus, playoff going to 12 teams next year. So really, a lot more teams can get in. All right, Andrew, biggest surprise through two weeks of the NFL. You know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's Baker Mayfield. What he's done with the Buccaneers has him two and oh, three touchdowns, no picks, almost 500 yards passing through two games. Just what a redemption story so far. Been, what, three or four different teams in the past two years. It's incredible what he's done so far. Granted, it's only two games. Yeah. All right, Gabe, real quick, what's the most embarrassing moment ever in sports? Definitely Jim Marshall, Vikings, the wrong way run, the scoop and score, going back the other way. I mean, how how do you even do that? How? Like, that's got to be the most embarrassing. And obviously, Leon Land, all the fumbles and Bad stuff. Bad five? Eh, no, nah, I think just embarrassing, like something that I can just laugh about. I think running, <laughs> running the wrong way yeah, for no a whole was, touchdown, who does true. that? No one was laughing about that. All right, well, we will wrap up CSL when we come back. All right, time to hand out some QC crowns. Mine tonight going to Juan Soto. He hit his first career Grand Slam. I couldn't believe this, because I was like, how has he not hit a Grand Slam already? But no, that was his first one. He's got 156. 
home runs on his career, but first grand slam. There you go. This is good stuff for Mr. Juan Soto. My crown tonight going out to Clemson running back, Weddington's very own Will Shipley. This crown basically over two years in the making. He, today he landed an NIL deal with Chipotle, just in time for the Tigers' upcoming matchup against Florida State. This week, the Clemson Chipotle will be named Chipotle in honor of Shipley. Back on it. July 1st, 2021, the day, the day NIL became legal, Shipley tweeted at Chipotle, vouching for himself to get the sponsorship, and now it is a done deal. Chipotle? Yeah. I'm more of a Kava guy, but you know, Chipotle's always good too. For Grace, I'm Gabe. We'll do it again tomorrow night. Monday Night Football. Be sure to tune in for pregame show at 6.30. See you there.